I love to sit and look through those holy pages And read about the eternal rock of ages See all that God has done, the battles he has won The great prophecies unfold In every book from Genesis to Revelation I see his loving grace and this great salvation Brings courage to my soul, for I know he's in control. I believe every word is true. Yes, I believe every word that he said is true. I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do. How I love his precious... It's time now for the Teaching Timeless Truths radio broadcast with Pastor Roger Walton. So get your Bible, a pen, and your Bible study notebook as we journey through the truths of God's Word. And now with today's Timeless Truth, here's Pastor Walton. Psalm 119. Psalm 119. We're going to introduce this section of Scripture and do a series here in Psalm 119. And we want you to know that uh, this is the longest chapter in the Bible. In fact, uh, it is a humongously long chapter, 176 verses. Well, it's been called the Word of God chapter. And how great would it be if we would understand the need and the power and the life-changingness of the very Word of God. That God took what He says and put it into His Word that we could read and know what it is that He wants. Now, in this introduction to Psalm 119, out of the 176 verses, with the exception of only four, 172 verses have a synonym for the Word of God. A synonym for the Word of God. We will look at those words in just a moment. But for right now, we might tell you that this is an acrostic psalm, which simply means that each section of eight verses starts with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Now, that's not unusual for the Hebrews to do. In fact, Psalm 9 is an acrostic psalm, as well as Psalm 10, 25, 34, 37, 111, 112, and 145. And then we do the same thing in Lamentations. And in Lamentations 3, uh, it actually has 66 verses where they do 22, 22, and 22. There are 22 letters in the uh, Hebrew alphabet. And it starts in succession, like we would do A, B, C, D, E, F, G. It starts with Aleph, which we will look at next time and works through. Now, if there's eight verses per set and there are 22 letters, that equals 176 verses. This was something that they did for emphasis on importance and also for aid in memory. Now, one of the things that also is unique about this psalm is that as it relates to the Word of God, it gives us these eight synonyms that give us an incredible look at the entirety of the Word of God. So let's take a look at those words, okay? Obviously, without even thinking, it's the word, word, okay? When connected to God, it means Jehovah has said. When it's connected with what God is doing, then it's what God has said. It is God's revelation. Now, let me just say that God's revelation was something he wanted us to have. He wanted us to understand his word. Back in Psalm 19, 
the Bible says the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous all together. Now, did you get all that? What those are had that that passage has a lot of those words that we're talking about, those synonyms for the word of God. So let's take a look at some of those words. The word law. The root means to throw or cast in. Casting lots was used in gaining God's guidance, leading some to think that's why this word is used. But it's more than just a set of codes. It is the will of God, God's moral laws, God's uh, very much uh, laws of our spiritual life. Everything that he wants us to know is set into those things. His instructions in the right way to live is what we need to take into account. Then there's the word commandment, an authoritative, definite command that comes from God himself, where we say, I'm going to do this because this is a command of God. And we see in the New Testament where it talks about, though, why do you say you love me and you don't keep my commandments? You know, uh, why would you say you love me if you don't keep my commandments? In fact, I call it the unanswerable question of Jesus. Why do you say, Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? Why do you not obey my commandments? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what it is I've asked you to do? And in that message, I asked this question. Well, Lord, uh, here's the answer. I, I, the reason why I call you Lord, Lord, and don't do what you do, then I give some things that maybe we could answer. But you look and say, well, I would never say that. Well, I'd never say that. Well, I'd never say that. Then why do you call him Lord, Lord? Commandments. Then there's the word statutes. The statutes had everything to do with the inscribing, okay? It had everything to do with degrees and decrees and ordinances. It had everything to do with setting things down as that which was into graven and statutory. This is important. And then there's the word judgments. When he calls something a judgment, he's saying his word has made a verdict. Through his word, he has declared and made a, ver uh, a verdict. It's a legal decision. Uh, when he judges something, he makes a judgment. And he has every right. God has every right to make any judgment based on his word because he never goes against who he is. And he is the absolute supreme court there is nobody else to go to, and that legal decision is a verdict. It dictates from our leadership, which is God, what is going to happen. So when he says that you go against my word and this is going to happen, uh, then you be ready. You know, the Bible talks about marriage is honorable and all in the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. He has a legal decision. And there's a verdict, and it will happen. I would suggest you get right. Then there's the word precepts. And that has to do with instructions, principles, and directions. I wish that we could get back to thinking principled. We are so unprincipled today. And what I mean by that precept is taking, it's God's word in a 
principle where you say, okay, let me just give you this one. Uh, we'll, we'll come up to this in Psalm 119. Uh, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Okay, that is God's word. Okay, and David said, I, I, I put this word in my heart that I won't sin against you. But watch this. Now it needs to be a precept. And that precept is a principle that I am going to put God's word into my heart so that anything that happens, like a neon sign says, stay away, sin. You have got this in your heart, and your heart's telling you through the Holy Ghost, don't do that. Or David said, I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. Okay, let's take a principle. Are we watching something on the television or on YouTube or something that is absolutely a wicked thing? Are we allowing something that we're watching to become part of? That's the principle. You're taking, David said, I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. Okay, what's the principle? What are my eyes looking at? Is it evil? Is it something that's wicked? If it is, do away with it. Those are precepts. Precepts have everything to do with paying attention to how God has instructed and taking that instruction into principles that you set in your life and you don't violate your principle. Dr. Bob Jones Sr. Uh, had some sayings and one of them was, do right. Do right even if the stars fall out of their sockets. Do right if all of hell's guns are aimed at you. He said it's never right to do wrong in order to do right. In a very fiery message that he preached called Do Right uh, many, many, many decades ago, he said, young people, if you'll make up your mind that you're going to run your entire life based on one principle, let it be the principle of do right. So you take the word of God, you learn what's right, and then you set it as principles that cause you to continue to do right and don't go against your principles. Then there's the word testimony. That your word is a testimony. When his word is a testimony, it's a witness. It's proof, okay? So witness is one who testifies, and proof is the record that is straight. So when somebody testifies on the things of God, you're giving the word. When you stand up and say, God told me in his word this morning, and you quote the verse, and he gave that to me, and it helped me get through the day, and this is something that God did for me with that verse, you are testifying that his word is true. Thy testimonies are wonderful. Therefore doth my soul keep them. That's the things about the testimony. Thank God for the witness and the proof of the word of God. Then there's the word way, and uh, there's also the word path. They're very similar and very close, and some put them all together. And I'm going to uh, give you just a, a slight distinction between the two, but they can be together. It's not a problem. The word way is our road or life of journey. It's the course of our life. It's our mode of action. So when he says, thy way is, he's talking about the word of God being his way, his leadership, his road of life, that he's walking on the road his journey is on the road of the Word of God. His course of life and his mode of action is all biblically bound and biblically based. The same with the word path, the way, the lifestyle, the path, but it has everything to do with that which is navigated. So thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. 
what it is is it's being navigated the way is your total journey of life and your course of life and mode of action but when we take a look at the path while it's the same thing it also denotes a little bit more and that is that which is navigated I want to be navigated by the next step of light the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in them that's what I want I want my life to be navigated by the Lord so we see this acrostic psalm that is now starting with Aleph going all the way to the end of the alphabet just like in the Greek the I am Alpha and Omega the beginning and the end Alpha is the first letter Omega is the last each section of eight will be an acrostic in order but now we come down to the fact that this is a chapter that is huge because of the fact that the Word of God is very, very, very important. The Bible says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Matthew 4.4, 4, quoting from Deuteronomy. Hebrews 4.12 says the Word of God is quick. It, it, it's alive and sharp and sharper than any two-edged sword and it's able to pierce the sunder between the soul and spirit it can do what no surgeon can do and we see that all scripture is given by inspiration of God God breathed and all that scripture is profitable for our doctrine and reproof and uh, correction and righteousness and instruction those things are very very important but when we get over here to Psalm 19 we find God reveals himself through the scriptures, which is why we must get into it. And so in revealing himself in the scriptures, he gives us some things in verses 7 through 10. And he basically tells us in verses 7 through 10 that God's word is precious. If God's word is not precious to you, something is bad, wrong. If God's word is not precious to you, then there's something in your Christian life that's lacking or you're lacking being a Christian, one of the two, because the word of God is like a bomb that soothes. The word of God is a knife. It convicts. The word of God is powerful. It gives us the strength that we need to go on. It encourages us. That's why I get up in the morning and I have my devotions in the morning because I want my morning time to start off right with the things of the Lord. When you go back into the Old Testament and you look back at 1 Samuel, we find that Eli has got his two wicked sons, Hophni and Phinehas, and he's not rebuking and correcting them. Things are not good. And, of course, Samuel has been lent back to the Lord. He's a child. And verse number 1 of 1 Samuel chapter 3 says, And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. Now listen to this. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. The word precious means valuable, excellent, costly. And there was no open vision. Basically, what it's saying there, there was no vision from God. Because back then, uh, we had the prophets that were giving the things that God had given them a vision of because they didn't have all the written word back then. They had the first five books, and they were things. We have the whole Bible, thank God. But listen, when there is the, let me translate this verse into our day where we don't have prophets with open visions, okay? The word of God was precious in those days. There was no open Bible. 
there, there were no Bibles. There were Bibles, but they weren't open. I'm amazed at how many Bibles are in homes that never get open. And how many times a Bible stays closed all week long and it's picked up maybe to go to church, but maybe not even open then. Just uh, fold the hands and look up and listen, but not open the Bible. God's word is precious. And that's what he says in Psalm 19, verses 7 through 10. First of all, in verse 7, it challenges us. The law of the Lord is perfect absolutely perfect it is absolutely filled with truth no blemish completely full of truth no blemish full of integrity no blemish amen and amen and amen and amen the there's no question no question no question no question now watch this because it's really really important that we see this the law of the lord is perfect converting the soul hallelujah converting the soul the idea of that word converting the soul has to change to uh, bring back to reestablish to return to restore hallelujah converting the soul absolutely challenges us to uh, to what we are it's the word of God that challenged us faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God and then the spirit of God convicts and says that word that you heard you now have to deal with because I'm convicting you that you're a sinner if you're a lost person and if you're a saved person I'm convicting you that that is not right through the word of God and you need to fix that and change that it challenges us and where we are at and where we are living and how we are living and why we are living the way we are living. It says here, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. The, the evidences, the testimony, remember that word, the evidences that uh, are the proof of the Lord is sure. The absolute proof, assurance of the Lord is true. Say, oh, come on now. Can we know for sure all of these things? Is it really possible to know for sure that God's God? Is it really possible to know for sure that you're a Christian? Is it really possible to know for sure that you're saved? That's exactly what that verse just said. He said you can absolutely have. His testimony is so awesome through creation through our hearts, through the Holy Spirit when we're saved, through the Word of God and His conviction? Absolutely. There is absolutely no other reason to believe anything else but Him because He is absolutely true. And the Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. When John wrote in 1 John, he said, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, that word know is a very interesting word and it really puts some things on it. First of all, it is the word it means to know completely, absolutely completely. And it is in what is called the perfect tense. Perfect, complete, full. John said these things have been written through the very Holy Spirit 
into you that you may believe on the name of the Son of God, that you can have faith in Him so that you may know perfectly well with complete knowledge that what you have is eternal life and you may believe on the Son of God. Thank the Lord for that kind of wonderful assurance. But then we get to verse 8, and it not only challenges us, it cheers us. The statutes of the Lord are right, okay? Those statutes, those things that are mandates of God, okay? Those statutes where God has mandated and put it down and instructed it and said, this is what you're to do. They're right. God said it. It's a statute. You're to remember it. It's part of the rule book. You are to do that because it is right. But look at this. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Rejoicing the heart. And I love that. The whole fact that it rejoices the heart, cheers the heart, calms the heart, absolutely encourages the heart. And it is in what the Hebrew uh, language is called the peel tense, which means e- extensive, intensive. So it's not just, okay, yeah, I'm happy, but it's mm, the, <laughs> the statue of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. It, I mean, it is a very intense rejoicing, a wonderful rejoicing, uh, a, a, a rejoicing that has the idea of being incredibly overflowing with it. Amen. The commandment of the Lord is pure. God's statutes are right, and his commandments are clean, pure, absolutely, totally clean. There's nothing in a commandment of God that is sullied or destroys or causes problems. And what it does, it enlightens the eyes. It opens your eyes. Therefore, you're cheered because you can see what God wants. But then in verses 9 and 10, it changes us. It changes us. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous all together. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Here he says, oh, I'm telling you what's the truth. He makes it very, very clear. You fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord is that's clean. Uh, what the idea of clean simply means there is pure uh, and fair and uh, not sully. Amen. There you go. The, the fear of the Lord, that's what it does. It keeps you clean and it endures forever. That is something that just keeps on going. The judgments, God's declared sentences of the Lord are true. What he says is true. He has all the facts. Almost nobody ever has all the facts, but God has all the facts. And they're not only true, they're righteous. They're right. And they're right all together. Both those together, there's no, as a unit, God's judgments, all of God's judgments as a unit are true and right. And they're more to be desired than gold. They're to be looked after and sought after more than gold. Yea, the much fine gold, even sweeter. They're much sweeter than the honey and the honeycomb. So he says God's word is precious. But then he tells us in this psalm that God's word is powerful. In verse number 11, it shows us that he has power to convict us. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned. Amen. Conviction. And in keeping of them, 
keeping them in your heart and guarding them there is a great reward. In verse number 12, it also cleanses us. Who can understand his errors? Thou cleanse thou me from secret faults. It has power to cleanse. Who can understand your error? Can you understand all your errors? Well, you need to get clean from them. Cleanse thou me. And the idea of cleanse is to make yourself clean. That's what you need to do by confessing. We say Psalm 51 in the Old Testament and 1 John 1, 9 in the New Testament, uh, confessing our sins. Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep me from those things. Uh, forgive me for those things that uh, I've got secretly in, hidden inside, but also maybe secret things that I don't even remember myself. And then we also look at verses 13 and 14 where we see that it also has power to correct us. And I thank the God for the correcting power of the Word of God. I'm glad you can be clean. Amen. Aren't you glad you can be clean? And, and I'm glad that I can uh, enjoy the things of God and be convicted and cleaned, but I'm glad I can be corrected. And the Bible talks about, in verse number 13, keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. The idea of that is arrogant sins proud and boastful sins just i did this ha <laughs> yeah i got away with this this is the he said no no you keep back stay away from withhold refrain stay way way back from presumptuous sins let them not have dominion over you don't let them rule and reign then shall i be upright and i shall be innocent from the great transgression and we see he ends this uh, little section here in Psalm 19 about the Word of God with this. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Lord, let the words that come out of my mouth, let the things that I muse and think on and meditate on and regurgitate back up in my heart, May those things be acceptable. May there be nothing unacceptable that I think of or speak. Let it be acceptable. Let it be a delight to you. Let it be a pleasure. Let it be your desire. That's what it means. In thy sight, O Lord, my strength. Thank you, Lord, for that strength to do what we need to do. My Redeemer, you're the one that saved me and no one else can. It's actually the word for the kinsman Redeemer, the one who can come and buy us and cleanse us. So thank you for this, Lord. May this be the case. O oh, Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. So we see the word of God is sharp and powerful, and it is able to dig in and do what no other thing can do. So next time, we're going to start digging in with the first eight verses. And we're just going to see for 22 times, we're going to see the power of the Word of God. Amen. We're going to see the incredible power and the incredible preciousness of the Word of God for 176 verses. Father, in the blessed name of Jesus, it is my prayer that we would see clearly to get ourselves in the book. And let the book speak, and may you leap up off the page. May we pray and be ready to hear whatever it is you have for us because it changes lives, convicts, and challenges us. We'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.
This is Pastor Walton. Have a great week. Yes, I believe every word that he said is true. I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do. How I love his precious word, it thrills me through and through. I believe every word is true. Oh, I believe every word that he said is true. I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do. Precious word, it thrills me through and through. I believe every word. You have been listening to the Teaching Timeless Truths radio broadcast with Pastor Roger Walton. You can send all correspondence to tttbroadcasts at gmail.com. Tune in again next week for another Timeless Truth.